Well, welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans to do the two things that we love the most, talk about the state of the industry and what we would do if we were in charge. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster and each week I am joined by the smackdown to my velocity, the cane to my Isaac Yankum, professional rugby player, pro athlete and all-round nice guy, Charlie Beckett. Morning. Stop putting yourself down, man. That, I'm not having that one. The cane to your eyes. Isaac Yankum, I'm not signing off on. That's ridiculous. You are far greater a gimmick than Isaac Yankum. But morning, mate. I'm very well. We're doing this early doors again. So I'm on a big cup of coffee and a husky voice. But it's quite well. You enjoyed it last week because you got a sassier version of me at eight o'clock in the morning. So let's see if you get that again this week. I can't wait. I can't wait to see which version of you comes through. It is going to be a busy show today. We've got the final part of our booking scenarios for Roman Reigns losing the Universal Championship. We've got mine, second part of Andrew. We've got Hell in a Cell chat coming up, uh, earning the push and back to developmental. And we are very, very, very excited about something we'll be doing next week where we change the format up a little bit. We'll tell you all about that as we go along and the ways you can get in touch as well at Jack underscore Merley is me at charlie underscore beckett is him earning the push podcast at hotmail.com is where you can write your booking ideas don't forget to rate review and subscribe you've been doing that which is great and there's plenty to talk about today we have to start with hell in a cell shenanigans the last wwe pay-per-view of the thunderdome era saw bianca belair beat bailey to retain the smackdown women's championship seth rollins overcame cesaro with an inside cradle spooky shenanigans saw alexa bliss defeat Shayna baszler Sami Zayn uh, took down Kevin Owens. They cannot have bad matches. Charlotte Flair gets a DQ win over Rhea Ripley in the Raw Women's Championship match. Bobby Lashley defeats Drew McIntyre to retain the WWE Championship inside Hell in a Cell. But either side of that, bookended on either way, we have a Hell in a Cell match on SmackDown where Roman Reigns beats Rey Mysterio and a Hell in a Cell match on Raw where Bobby Lashley goes over Xavier Woods. Too much sell, Charlie. Too much sell. Yeah, we were just speaking off air before the show of, I love Hell in a Cell. I said last week it's my favourite gimmick match, but I don't want to see it willy-nilly on free TV on Raw and SmackDown. I've talked about my issues with gimmick-themed pay-per-views before of we having a Hell in a Cell match because it's that time of the year, not because it's a blood feud that needs the playoff. But now we're having them on Raw and SmackDown just because someone fancies it. Like, no, no, why? Why would you move? Probably the match that's going to be the biggest that you pay per view, Rey Mysterio and Roman Reigns, the one that has the emotional core, but one that the one match that probably deserves being a hell in the cell with the with the animosity between it, just throw it on SmackDown. And then Xavier Woods, I'm a huge Xavier Woods fan and the man Austin Creed, I think he's brilliant. But don't just challenge Bobby Lash to a hell in the cell match because it's there. That's not how hell in the cell works. I mean, we would have said, Vince has clearly decided he's getting his money out. He's gone, I've got this sound, this bloody Thunderdome, and I'm using it. I'm using this cell. But no, I don't I don't like how it just seems like another match we have now. Oh, we'll have a Hell in a Cell match. That's not for me. I'm not a fan of that. It's one of those things where the matches themselves at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, I thought Bianca and Bailey was great. I really, really, really like Bobby Lashley against Drew McIntyre. But man, I would have liked it so much more if it was the first Hell in a Cell match we'd seen in a couple of years, if it was a Hell in a Cell announced by Bobby Lashley crawling up the ramp and then Vince or the authority figure comes out and goes, no, it's Hell in a Cell, and you get that guttural growl, just saying, eh, let's do it in the cell. I mean, it's a, it's a step away from a cage match now. 
No, I completely agree. What did you think of the ending to Drew Bobby? Because that's coming for a bit of because you see they are they're pretty much you see the picture on Drew's Instagram and Twitter of his back. Like there's no messing about inside that cell. But the ending was a bit, I saw the ending, and I was a bit like, oh, that's how we're ending this. I think as a storyline, it works. I think the trouble we've got is we've got the disconnect between what we want the cell to be as wrestling fans who remember those bloody battles between uh, Mankind and The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and Triple H and, and those cell matches and what WWE see the cell as now, which is something you can get in and out of and you can slide to the outside and you can grab some weapons. And I think in a different era, that would have been awful. But in the era we're in now for the stories WWE is telling, I just I can't get myself het up about it, which is probably testament to how the gimmick has been degraded. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And also the fact I kind of love, I don't know, I think I love it. The most dangerous weapon inside Hell in a Cell this year was Bianca Belair's hair. <laughs> how is Bianca Belair's hair the most protected quote unquote weapon in WWE at the moment? Is there a little bit of jealousy coming across from you oh, here, well, Charlie? Oh, well, let's not start that, because I'm going to try and braid my beard and use that as a whip now on Ruby Pitch. That's my new plan. <laughs> um, but also, what you said earlier about, I just I could watch Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens wrestle forever. I could honestly watch them wrestle forever. I don't think, I can't think of two wrestlers who have as good a chemistry together, whether they're on the same team or whether they're against each other, who do, they don't have a bad match. They haven't had a bad match in WWE. And I haven't seen all their stuff as Kevin Steen and El Generico on the Indies before they were here. Not that Sami Zayn is the same man as El Generico, of course, because we all know that's not true. He's lost in the in the wilderness somewhere. But everything I have seen of those two individuals on the Indies is exceptional as well. They just, I know, I love their best mates in real life. They come together. They just don't. They don't do bad matches together. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about that off the top of my head. Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks maybe would come into that yeah. category, but they haven't yeah. teamed together in the same way, so you don't have that backstory. It's a very big shout. Hey, get involved in it. Uh, Jack underscore Murley, Charlie underscore Beckett, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. Uh, we, we're looking now, Charlie, we're coming out of the end of the Thunderdome era. The next pay-per-view will be WWE back on the road for money in the bank. As a means to an end, what did you make of the Thunderdome? I was very, very sceptical when it started. It was just when they announced it. I was like, screens around the ring. I was like, this isn't going to work. But I think they actually made the best of a bad situation because the arena looked full. There was some noise. Well, how piped in it was, how actual reaction it was, we don't know. But there was some noise. And the empty arena was just shocking. It was it was horrible. It was. I remember speaking to you, and you were struggling to watch. Like you were not enjoying it at all. And no. the Thunderdome was allowed you Couldn't to watch, watch again. Yeah. So obviously far from ideal. The whole thing is far from ideal. Uh, I think they've made best or bad situation. And actually, I don't think there's really been a bad pay per view in the Thunderdome. The wrestlers seem to have really up their game. And and the whole way through this pandemic, I think Drew takes probably the most points because he was champion for so long and in the empty arena. I think all the wrestlers have really upped their game across the board. WWE, AEW, everyone, NXT have gone, we've got a, we've got a duty to really entertain people in a pretty rubbish time at the moment. And some of the wrestling we have seen, I know we, I know on this show we, we love to bag on Raw and say it's awful, but actually the in-ring product of what the guys, guys and girls do in the ring, especially the pay-per-views, have been pretty high quality. So you've got to take your hat off to them there a little bit. 
Yeah, and let's not forget in the depths of the pandemic when we need any escapism at all, the fact that there was wrestling and once the Thunderdome came in, it looked like wrestling again. And I appreciate AEW went in a different direction, but the fact there was something to watch was great and it'll be great to have fans back for WWE uh, at Money in the Bank. Uh, What next for Drew McIntyre? Because it's his last chance, he's lost, Money in the Bank qualifying matches, there'll be a, I hate these last chance qualification matches, but he'll have another bite at the cherry to get cherry to get into the Money in the Bank ladder match. But as things stand, he's at a bit of a crossroads. Well, him going into the Money in the Bank confuses me a little bit because he's just he's just lost his right to ever challenge Bobby Lashley again. So he becomes Money in the Bank champion. What does he do? Just sit there till Bobby loses it's, or, or go across the SmackDown? It, it seems strange. I don't really know what next for Drew because... I can't see him starting anywhere but the top of the card because he's so, so clearly your main event player. Do they move him across the SmackDown? Because they're running out of challenges for Roman a little bit. They are running out, and that's that's a programme you can get a few months out of. That's, uh, that's, I think we got it as um, Survivor Series, didn't we? Yeah. There's some matches I'd like to see. Um, I don't know. They've moved the draft forward, haven't they, to October, I think I read the other week. There's that's, speculation that's it's going to be late August, I think, oh, maybe right. for the draft. Yeah. So I don't know what you do. Do you move him across to SmackDown to go after Roman? I don't see what he does on Raw, but I don't really see what anyone does on Raw, um, if I'm honest. Um, and that's something I think they've got is they're running out of credible challenges, really, for their two champions at the moment, which is a worrying state of affairs. I like that Kofi Kingston's in the mix. And I was actually thinking, blimey, if you hadn't done all they'd done with The Fiend, he, you know, I, I, I could, if you toned down the supernatural, drew against The Fiend back when would have been good. But it's, um, it's, it's hard to see what's going on there. We have some clarity on NXT. As we recorded last week, oh, we were worried. We were so nervous that William Regal was going. We didn't know what was happening, what we got was a little gem of a segment and the return of the Samoan submission machine. Oh, I tweeted Straff and I was like, this is all for me. That <laughs> segment where he's in the ring with Karrion Cross, then Joe just comes out and Regal's like, I was going to speak to you in the back, but now you're here. Because, of course, this private conversation I was going to have, now we're in front of the TV cameras, rather than say to we'll have it later still. I'll do it on national television. That makes sense. Um, and we just... Office of the GM shit, he says no, and then gets his private security, which I love. And then that moment, that oh, Regal's so good, isn't he? That moment where he goes, You can't lay a hand on anyone. And Karrion Cross is there, so, so, so smug. And Regal just says, Unless provoked. And I think Samoa Joe is going to have very, very, very loose definition of what being provoked means. And then he puts Adam Cole to sleep in seconds later in the later in the show he just he's so so over as just this badass man who could just destroy anyone you don't you don't struggle to believe it at all at all that that whole locker room would be scared of him and they will all toe the line because he's there and I saw a great thing I don't know if it was um NXT's official Instagram or it might have been the uh, BT Sport WWE Instagram did a video yeah. and they're brilliant by the way what BT Sport do with their WWE coverage is unbelievable BT are excellent side by side of um it was like how it started to how it's going of joe when he was champion when he was in nxt just terrorizing regal and then to the day where he said but i've always respected you mr regal i just love things like that i thought it was very very good isn't the difference between nxt and raw 
the the little things. Sure, there there are big structural issues perhaps with with Raw, but NXT does those little things so well. It's just Regal addressing the fact. Well, we were going to have a conversation backstage, but now you're out here because otherwise there's a little bit of a logic hole there. Why is Joe turned up? It's that Regal doesn't scream at Karrion Cross unless provoked. He keeps the same tone, and it's just that that in this world of wrestling where so much reality has to be suspended it's those little touches that just put nxt head and shoulders above so much else that's out there yeah i tell you the one thing that annoyed me it's nothing to do with nxt is we all knew joe was coming like in this world of social media now we struggle to have genuine surprises and some of my favorite moments growing up as a wrestling fan are those genuine surprises especially that that monday night raw after wrestlemania i remember in 2012 when brock lesnar came back i had no idea what was happening. i lost my mind you don't really get that anymore and I, I sound like an old man complaining now and i love social media i use it more than most and i use it to enhance my uh, my career i'll be doing this and the perception of myself as an athlete and that sort of thing and it's brilliant when you use it for that and you use it for your shows and we yeah. both we both utilize it like that and it's excellent sometimes it's great but it just does ruin a few surprises doesn't it now and again and you just wish we had those moments still where Someone had kept it. Because imagine if we didn't know and Joe's music had hit. Because I thought Joe was gone from WWE. Imagine that moment of, oh my God, Joe's back. Whereas we all knew it was happening. It was how it was going to happen. I I can remember the times in recent years I've been genuinely shocked is when you have to avoid the social media. And I can remember being genuinely shocked by John Moxley appearing uh, in AEW. But... I sort of thought something might be happening because all of a sudden you see the word Moxley trending down one side of your Twitter bar. So no matter how careful you are, unless you steer clear entirely, you won't get those surprises. But I thought that was a tremendous segment uh, in NXT. Uh, We're getting on to our fantasy booking in a moment or two and stay listening throughout this pod. We know you always do. We've got something very, very fun for next week. If you think we're geeky now, Wait until next week because it's going to be a different level. Um, A word about AEW, some big news coming out of, of Tony Khan's promotion. Going back on the road, we know they've put the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City, which seats about 24,000. That is a big deal for, for AEW and a statement of intent to go to what has always traditionally been WWE's backyard, the New York City market, and book a big stadium. If they fill that up, which I think they'll get close to, that's going to be raucous and take them to another level. Will that be their biggest stadium that they've, they've booked so far? I think certainly for a Dynamite. I mean, you'd look yeah. at some of their pay-per-views, Revolution in Chicago and, and things like that, I think would be matching it. But uh, but w- without the exact stats there, it's definitely up there. Yeah, just for, just for a TV show. Uh, that, like you say, the big statement there is they're going, that's WWE territory, that's Northeast America, New York. That is, that's like you say, WWE's backyard. So... I think it's very clever. They're capitalising on everyone's been locked up for 15 months. Everyone wants to go and watch everything they can. Like, I think you and I could put on a wrestling show and probably get 10,000 in somewhere at the moment. Like, <laughs> Let's do it. it. Let's do it. Everyone's just desperate to see things. But they like say it's a statement of intent. I think they'll fill it. I generally do it all as full as they can be with programs. I don't know what the rules are at the moment in yeah. New York, etc. But they will, as many tickets as they can sell, they will. And yeah, I, I, I love it. Like, I just think Competition is brilliant, and AW seems to be getting better and better, and they're learning from their mistakes. And I think I think I saw that they're two years old now. But mm. I was like, only two years old. It's crazy when you think about it. So hopefully it'll make WWE up their game, and respectively make AW up their game. And you know what? 
as a wrestling fan, all I want is good wrestling. All I want is we had to put my telly on or go to a show and watch good wrestling. I don't really mind where it is. So it, it's all positive for me. The other thing I'm, I'm thinking with AEW is I've started listening to, I don't know if you listen to any of Conrad Thompson's uh, many, many podcasts. He does his Eric Bischoff one, his Jim Ross one. I hear, I hear bits, I hear bits. Yeah. And he's just started with Jeff Jarrett, one which obviously looks at TNA. And you think of all the things that TNA had to do just to stay in business. And you look at AEW and you're right. The fact that they are still there, sure, two years in, but that whole second year has been in a pandemic. That would have killed many businesses stone dead. Then a competitor like WWE is going up against your only TV show. It's remarkable they haven't folded. Now, we don't know the finances, how much money has been thrown into it. Tony Khan says they will be in the red due to their video game this year by a little bit. But the fact they're still going financially is a wonder, given the only other real market player is such a huge £10,000 gorilla in the marketplace in WWE. I think it shows the um, how important it has to have this. No one can start a wrestling business without money, a promotion. There's there's money, and then there is money, isn't there, in this world? Yeah. And Vince McMahon has money, and Tony Khan has money. You can't be the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Fulham Football Club, and not be... You can't, we can't even fathom how much money that man has. So I think it shows the difference in having a serious backer who, whatever you throw at him financially, isn't going to be phased. Now, I'm not saying Tony Khan hasn't been phased by a pandemic, but through it, he's managed to run two professional sports teams and a professional wrestling company and they're still all going and they're still all doing all right. So I think it shows the difference of someone who is doing well, but has to tighten the person who's now again, a man who has money that we can't fathom and go, it's an open checkbook. So they're going, yeah, guys, I'm backing you properly. And that, that's where AEW, I feel, has been different behind the scenes to any other, since WCW, any of WWE's real competitors, they have a checkbook that can compete with Vince. Yeah, and, and, and WWE, with all respect to Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, um, they haven't had a competitor, in, in, in certainly in the American market. You can look at New Japan and say what they're doing over there. That's a little apple and oranges. Um, while we're on AEW, very quickly, two types of heel in the industry at the moment. Roman Reigns is the best at what he does, that cool, cerebral heel that sort of you look at and you go, yeah, you're, you're a guy I wouldn't mind being for all your bad traits. And then in AEW, you've got MJF, who is the heel who you just hate. And the fact he punched out Dean Malenko, who has Parkinson's on AEW Dynamite this week. I just looked at it and I thought, no, AEW won't let that happen. He, he, he won't do that. They'll find it. They'll dim the lights. It's not. And then he drops Dean Malenka. And I just thought, you little prick. He's just a toe rag, isn't he? There's no, yeah. like, there, are, there are many, there are many other words for him, but I'm not to said on this show. <laughs> just, he's the lowest of the low, isn't he? Well, it's very important. I, this is where it seems when kayfabe was maybe more of them, wrestling fans couldn't do this. You split the man from the character. Yeah. Like, I don't think the actual man is a terrible person. I like to think not. His character is the lowest of the low scumbag. But he's just a proper throwback old school healers. And you don't get many of them. You see um, Bully Ray talk about it a lot on Twitter and on Busted Open Radio. Not many heels have the balls really now to go full heel and just want to be hated. It cannot be fun being hated. I know it's like I got booed by 3,000 people at Golden Road of the week. For Bedford, it's not fun. It's not particularly. It's like, oh God, what have I done? And he's getting booed every week on social media. Everything he does is just, you're the worst, you're scum. And he just embraces it, doesn't he? And as much as I said Drew earlier, I think he might be the star coming out of the pandemic, MJF. 
you look at where he was start of pandemic and where he is now, he's a serious, serious player in AEW. And he's such a young man as well. So very, very exciting, but also would love to slap him. Yeah. And, and you look at it and you say it's so hard to get that heat. Where does MJF start as a character and MJF the man start? And I'm not saying I completely, we don't know him as a person, but he doesn't give you any chink of light so you can distinguish between the two. His social media doesn't have his actual name, whatever that may be. His um, social media isn't talking about his day-to-day life. I couldn't tell you a thing about MJF apart from the character he portrays. And that is testament to how much he wants to be a heel. And it works. It, he's the only one like it in the industry that I can think of at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And it works. It shows there's a reason why he's consistently in the main event of AEW now. And he's, he's in there with the big time players because he's embraced it. He's doing it properly. And the wrestling world's going mad for it because we haven't seen it for a long time. It's a great thing to see. And if you're enjoying it as well, uh, make sure you join the podcast each and every week. Get in touch uh, at Jack underscore Murley at Charlie underscore Beckett. Earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. I want you to remember those details because on next week's show, you're going to have one to get in touch because there's something really, really fun we're doing that I guarantee every wrestling fan will have done themselves at some point in the future. Uh, Right, that's part one done. We're going to wrap up our fantasy booking of Roman Reigns losing the Universal title in part two. So don't go anywhere. It's earning the push. Okay, we are back. Part two, Earning the Push podcast, always about fantasy booking, fantasizing about what we would do if we were in charge. Um, People have loved this fantasy booking of Roman Reigns, Charlie. We need to wrap up with Andrews and mine. Shall I go first or shall I go second? That is up to you, Mr. Merlin, because I bottled it last week and did not want to follow Andrew because he's better than both of us. But you're, you're braver than me. I want to main event. If you yes. don't want to main event, you shouldn't main, be in the industry. Main event Merley. That's what we'll call you. <laughs> I'm going to get a mug. Main event Merley. Yes. That will make, what do you want to be? Curtain Jerker Beckett with, with that? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work something out. We'll, we'll work something out. Um, dark match Beckett, something like that. Dark match Beckett. Okay, if I ever commentate on you again, that is definitely going to be coming up. Dark match Beckett on the pitch. Uh, right, so Andrew's scenario last time ended with Adam Cole being built up. He comes short at Money in the Bank. Remember, we're booking Roman Reigns losing the Universal title. We'll do mine after Andrew. And we pick up in uh, Andrew's scenario uh, with the build to King of the Ring. Adam Cole's doing a promo saying he knows he came up short at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, but he's still the best superstar in the company and he'll prove it and still wants a shot at the universal title but since he's not going to get handed a title shot anytime soon he'll enter the king of the ring to earn his shot at SummerSlam, and he promises to win the entire thing Uh, cole battles his way through the smackdown half of the king of the ring bracket beating chad gable who was elevated earlier in this scenario of course shinsuke nakamura seth rollins and finally jay uso what a bracket that is despite attempted interference from jimmy continuing to have a match of the night candidate each time this sets up a final at the pay-per-view against the winner of the raw bracket aj styles meanwhile roman reigns tries to shrug off being pushed all the way by big e saying he finds a way to win until reigns is blindsided by the returning brock lesnar 
This makes Reigns increasingly paranoid because he knows what kind of destruction Lesnar can cause. And with a money in the bank contract floating around, he is more vulnerable than ever. Heyman, meanwhile, is put in a difficult position of having to choose between Lesnar and Reigns, and he's torn between giving Reigns advice while really just highlighting how dangerous Lesnar is and his loyalty to his former client. Eventually, he decides to take no side at the pay-per-view. At King of the Ring, Adam Cole defeats AJ Styles in another classic to win the King of the Ring tournament and earn a title shot at SummerSlam. Reigns versus Lesnar is a no five-minute finisher fest. It's a drawn-out war, and at various points, the camera focuses on Heyman at ringside, reacting to the punishment that Reigns and Lesnar are dishing out on each other. Eventually, Lesnar moves out of the way of a Superman punch, and Reigns hits the ref before turning round into an F5. Lesnar covers, and the crowd counts to five, six, seven, but there's no referee there to count. The Usos run out and double-team Lesnar, hitting him with super kicks and chains before helping Reigns to triple powerbomb him. Shades of the shield there. The Usos revive the ref. Reigns hits a spear for good measure and gets the win before the Usos help him to the back. In the build to SummerSlam, Adam Cole revels in finally getting his chance to get his hands on the Universal title. Cole says he's the greatest NXT champion there's ever been, and he will be the greatest Universal champion by the time all is said and done. He points out Reigns has only barely made it through his last couple of title defenses and wonders what Reigns is going to do when he comes up against someone who's willing to play dirty just as much as he is. Cole says he's shown he's the best performer that WWE has right now, and at SummerSlam, he will finally have the goal to prove it. Tension continues to brew between Heyman and Reigns, who sees his not taking sides at King of the Ring as disloyalty, and while they don't outright split, there's clearly things not being right. Reigns is feeling the effects of his last few title defences. He's battered and bruised, and he's still worried about the money in the bank. If it hadn't been for the Usos at King of the Ring, someone could have had a free cash-in on him right there. Reigns talks about how he needs to hold on to the title, but rather than the arrogance he showed in the aftermath of WrestleMania, there's desperation in his eyes and in his voice, a pleading that he has to be champion. The mask of confidence has slipped. Everything means he has to keep the title. So when he's harsh on the Usos now, they begin to wonder if they're the reason Reigns is champion after all. Could he be holding them back? All of that means that Reigns is essentially going alone into the title match with a damaged body and damaged psyche to boot. At SummerSlam, before the match, Reigns goes up to the Usos and apologises for how he's treated them and asks them to have his back in the match against Cole. When the bell rings, Reigns is still alone, and it's a back-and-forth contest until it descends into one of those overbooked WWE main event matches. Reigns moves out of the way of a superkick, Cole hits a referee, Reigns goes to get the title belt and hits Cole with it, but a groggy count. After a groggy count, Cole manages to kick out. Reigns stomps on the referee out of frustration, and out come the Usos. They double superkick Cole and hit him with the Samoan splash. Reigns covers again, and a new ref comes out, but Cole kicks out again. Reigns goes for a spear, but Cole cuts him off with a superkick of his own, hits a Panama Sunrise, goes for the cover, but Reigns kicks out at two. The Usos try to interfere and get thrown out, but in the chaos, Reigns hits Cole with a low blow and a spear, and after a one, two, there's another kick out. Reigns can't believe it. He sets up for another spear, but Cole blocks it again, hits a Panama Sunrise, hits a last call, and then another to the back of Reigns' head for the 1-2-3, and we have a new Universal Champion.
Adam Cole will have been established as a top guy on the main roster. He's been the one to derain Roman Reigns after what I see as a nearly two-year title reign. Ultimately, I want to see a triple threat between the Usos and Reigns at WrestleMania. Could be done by a full-on rivalry or by the Usos trying to reignite that competitive spark and knock some sense back into Reigns. A tough love scenario. From there, Reigns will have to try to climb to the top of the mountain again, most likely as a babyface. That's how Andrew would book it. There's a lot I like in that. Is it, is it weird that the thing that excites you most here is that King of the Ring bracket and final of Adam Cole versus AJ Styles? Not at all. I, like, as I was reading that, I thought the same. Inject that straight into my veins. <laughs> like, rather than my next COVID vaccine, can we pump that into my arm instead, please? That just sounds unbelievable. Um, and I like the Roman Reigns Usos triple threat at WrestleMania. And I've made no secret of how much an Adam Cole fan I am. And you know what? Little toe rag heel Adam Cole sitting at the top of the mountain. I like a lot. Also, surely we could have some fun with old King Cole. There'd be some serious merchandise pumped out there, wouldn't there? Don't do it, because that is the last thing we need. But it is, once you've said it, somewhere in Stamford, Vince McMahon has just twitched awake at 3am in the morning on, I smell money. And he's said, old, old King Cole t-shirts, yeah, sign me up. No, uh, as, no, no. As ever, as ever, Andrew's done a brilliant job there uh, and is coming for our jobs here. What I really liked about that was the King of the Ring tournament having stakes. It's not yes. just about a daft scepter and a crown. It takes me back to 2002 when they did that split brand. Then they had the pay-per-view. Uh, I think Lesnar beat Rob Van Dam to become King of the Ring. You didn't see Lesnar going around with a crown and a nope. scepter. He nope. had a title shot. And he didn't become King Lesnar. He was no. Brock Lesnar. Also, sorry, just we're on King of the Ring. Of all, they, they've all these gimmick pay-per-views. The one we all want to see, we all want to see a King and Queen of the Ring. We all want that back. There's rumours, isn't there? My favourite man, again, Xavier Woods on Instagram, on Instagram and Twitter is brilliant about it. Like, all he wants is to be King of the Ring. Like, surely they're bringing that back at some point because I just think the crowd would lap that up now. Tournaments work, and tournaments work when you've got so much TV to fill. It's a... It's an absolute gimme for me, but um, may, hey, look, maybe WWE will come out and they will have heard Andrew as well. And so long as we don't get, for the love of God, an old King Cole situation, then uh, we will be happy with that. Right, pressure's come on, on. Come on then, main event, Merle. Let's see what you've got. Main event, Merle. Right, so we're going to pick up my scenario after Money in the Bank, which has been won by Big E, but only after a panicked Roman Reigns, who was banned from interfering in the match, came to the ringside and screamed at Jey Uso to resist temptation and not pull down the briefcase himself. Reigns is beginning to crack psychologically, and remember, it was Vince McMahon who set all of this in motion. So on the SmackDown after Money in the Bank, we need another appearance from Vinnie Mac, and here's how that's going to happen. Reigns is fuming about what Jey Uso tried to do, and he's pacing backstage. He's sort of got a bit of an edge feel to him. He's pulling his hair a bit, and Heyman's looking concerned. And Roman's saying, where is Jey, Paul? Where is he? He asks again and again. And Paul says he's not here. He hired me for my expertise, and although I humbly serve my tribal chief, my best advice to you is you need to cool off. And Roman's not having it. Bring him here, Paul. It's time for Jay's reckoning. And Heyman is disagreeing. It's not a good idea, Roman. I've never disagreed with you before, but this is a bad idea. And Roman looks at Paul Heyman and just arches an eyebrow and says, are you turning on me as well, Paul? And Heyman gulps and looks down and says, okay, I'll bring Jay Uso by the end of the night. So Roman goes to the end, to the ring for the end of the night and he's pacing round. He's in a hinge, he's just beginning to come apart a little bit, and he starts calling out Jay, 
but instead of Jay, you get no chance in hell and outstruts Vince McMahon laughing and looking a million bucks as only he can. And he stands at the top of the ramp and he looks at Roman and laughs and says, look at you, you're buckling, you're cracking. I know what it's like to be a real head of the table. It's not so easy, is it, Roman? The Usos aren't here tonight and they won't be for a while because I've made an executive decision. I have traded them to Raw. Let's see how you get on now. So Reigns feels another brick in his wall, another bit of power going away. He can see it leaving him. And he looks at Heyman and shouts about how Vince can't do it. And he's losing his cool. And at some point, he just gets himself back together. And he turns and he looks dead at Vince at the top of the ramp and gets out of the ring and walks slowly towards him, playing with his knuckles. And Vince gives one of that big trademark gulps. And the announcers are pushing that Vince has pushed Reigns too far and Vince needs to run. And as Reigns gets within a meter of two of Vince, Brock Lesnar's music hits. And he arrives on the ramp and stares Roman down. And that is where we go off the air. And it's announced in four weeks on SmackDown, the show will be entirely ad-free and Roman Reigns will face Brock Lesnar on SmackDown for the Universal Championship. And the mind games continue here. And this is going to be two-pronged. Brock's involvement, at least at first, is limited to video packages. Short, sweet sound bites of him training, him wrecking his opponents, talking about how he isn't scared of Roman, he's not worried, and he doesn't even care that Paul Heyman's on the other side. It's just business. Lesnar doesn't need Heyman. But Paul Heyman appears in those videos. Now, the Heyman stuff in the videos is only archive, but when Roman sees it, it fuels his paranoia even more. And he's asking Heyman, how can you be in those? And Heyman saying, Roman, look, those are old clips. Look at my hair. I'm different now. That, that's not me now. I'm different. But Roman's paranoid. Now, two weeks before the match, we have the contract signing and Vince McMahon is the MC and he's goading Roman. Once you sign Roman, there's no backing out. What happens next once this signed, whatever happens next, the match is going to happen. And Brock chuckles as he signs the match. And Paul Heyman takes offense at Brock Lesnar chuckling. And he grabs a mic from uh, Vince McMahon's hand. And he looks at Brock and he says, I used to respect you, Brock, but Roman Reigns is a man now. And Heyman starts to give one of those promos that only he can give. He gets really angry. The spit is flying. He's saying, you know that this is the man. You know he's the best in the industry. You know he's the best in the world. And when that is all said and done, I know in my heart that Brock Lesnar will be standing tall as a universal champion. And instantly, Heyman knows he's messed up. He knows he said the wrong name. He knows he meant to say Reigns, but the muscle memory meant that Brock Lesnar slips out. And Reigns just looks at Heyman disbelievingly. And Heyman goes bug-eyed and apologizes and gets down on his knees and says, Reigns, Roman, please, it was a mistake because this paranoid Reigns has seen his best friend betray him. And Reigns looms over Heyman, and just as it looks like Heyman is going to be struck by Reigns, Reigns lunges to his right and knocks out Vince McMahon and decimates Brock. He lays him to waste, and he's put in the boots to Vince, and security swarms a ring, and Reigns destroys them as well. And then it's just a deranged, psychotic Reigns standing above a sobbing Heyman. And Reigns leans down and kisses Heyman on the forehead and walks away. Reigns has let Heyman survive his mistake amidst all the chaos and no one understands why. 
And on the next week, the last one before the big SmackDown, which they emphasize the match will still happen despite all the chaos. It's going to be no holds barred, falls count anywhere. Both men have been barred from the building from the last week before. There are promo packages galore. It's all they talk about on SmackDown. And at the end of the final SmackDown, Paul Heyman is alone backstage. He sat in the same locker room he was in when he first revealed his allegiance with Roman Reigns. He looks up, acknowledges the camera and whispers, I made a mistake last week, but Roman Reigns showed mercy. And next week, I atone for my sins. So the big matches on SmackDown, we're finally here. There's no Heyman at ringside, despite him saying he would atone for his sins. And it's a war. Reigns gets the upper hand and begins to toy with Lesnar. This psychotic Reigns is dominating the beast. He's dominating Brock. He spears him. He brutalizes him. He pulls Lesnar's shoulders off the mat at a two count to inflict even more pain. And then Heyman appears. And Heyman walks down the ramp with a tribal girl and one of the flower, flower's floral rings. And he slides into the ring, smiling at Reigns, and holds it out to Roman and says, I said I'd atone for my sins. And Reigns smiles as the only man he trusted and the man he showed mercy to last week has come to the ring to crown him as he's beating Lesnar. And Reigns bows down for Heyman to put on the garland and Heyman kicks him low. And Reigns just drops and Heyman glares down at him. And Heyman looks at Reigns and says, I told you it was time to atone for my sins. And the shot shows Lesnar coming up behind Heyman, battered and bloody, but alive. And Lesnar hauls Reigns up and gives him an F5 over the ropes through a table at ringside. And because it's falls count anywhere, Lesnar pins Reigns on SmackDown to win the Universal Championship. And we end with a new narrative, a paranoid Reigns who was convinced wrongly that everyone was out to get him, being betrayed by the one person he showed mercy on. And when Roman Reigns comes back, he will look to get his betrayal on that one Paul Heyman. And that is how I would book it. I like that a lot. I got a lot of like with that. I love, I'm a sucker for Vince McMahon on live TV. Very, very good way of getting the users out of the picture um, without having the family fall apart, send them to Raw. It leaves it open for that, um, that trio to come back together at some point. And I just think it, it's telling, isn't it? I think that all you, I, and Andrew as well, a lot of people, the story we all want to see is Reigns Lesnar with with Heyman in the middle. I think it's just the story everyone wants to see. I think it they, they can't do that badly. There's so many ways they can do it, but they can't do it badly, uh, which makes it very interesting that it seems all the rumours are that um, Lesnar's coming back to face Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam, which makes it very interesting because I'd rather have him over facing Reigns. But no, I like that a lot. Main event Murray did deliver. What would you think if they had uh, Lesnar against Lashley and Reigns against Cena, and then we led to a unification match at WrestleMania between Lesma, Lesnar and Reigns? Because one thing I've been thinking about a lot recently is do we need a brand split? With the ratings as they are, with the cuts they've made, do you still need a brand split anymore? I think, yes, you do. Because I think if you don't have a brand split, I think SmackDown just goes back to being the B show, absolutely. If they, have, if they don't have a brand split, SmackDown definitely becomes an afterthought, and I hate that. Uh, and also, they've got the talent there to have a brand split. Don't tell me they haven't got the wrestlers, because that's just nonsense. Uh, so I wouldn't go through a unification match, but at some point, I want to see Lashley. Uh, not Lashley. I do want to see Lashley Lesnar. I do want to see that match, by the way. But I, I want to see Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman in the middle. Um, one question. 
Yeah. How come you decided to have it all on SmackDown? Is that because SmackDown's been so brilliant because of it? You wanted it to end there? It's because I don't think pay-per-views are what they used to be. And I think that there would be something about creating a pivotal moment on SmackDown. And if you're looking to get more eyeballs on the product from a casual point of view, this is the match to do it. And it might be a way to kickstart with a bit of buzz. I think if you're a, if you're a wrestling fan, you're going to buy WrestleMania anyway. But if you're trying to grow the industry with a casual fan, that could be the match that you put on that hooks more people back on. Now, it's contingent on the weeks after being good and the weeks before being good. But I was also thinking, how can you spark WWE and get people excited? Because are we really excited about SmackDown or Raw? We get excited about Dynamites. Are we excited in the same way we used to be about big SmackDown, say, when Lesnar fought Big Show and the ring exploded? Or you'd get an Iron Man match or something. Yeah. So that was sort of my logic. No, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And just a smarmy, conniving Paul Heyman is the best type of Paul Heyman, isn't it, as well? So if you liked it or you didn't, at Jack underscore Murley, at Charlie underscore Beckett, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com, I'm smiling because next week is going to be fun. And this will probably run for a couple of weeks. What we will be doing is a fantasy draft. And what we would like you to do is tell us the 10 people you would start your dream wrestling company with. Now, there are eight wrestlers and two wild cards that can be producers, commentators, bookers, managers, whatever you would like, but any eight wrestlers and then two wild cards. And Charlie, beyond that, the choice is up to absolutely anyone, any promotion, um, any era. I mean, you can't have Hulk Hogan in his prime, but you know, you can have anyone you want. If you want a legend as one of them, you can. Oh yeah, this is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. I'm very excited for this. I'll have, I keep looking at my notes each week for getting longer and longer, but I'm going to have even more this week, next week, because you've got to have contingency plans. If your first draft goes, et cetera, et cetera. We do things we need to work out. I meant to ask you this off air, but I'll do it on air because what could go wrong? Do tag teams, like certified tag teams count as one and do, how do, and how do we decide who gets first pick? Okay. I don't think tag teams should count as a tag team. I okay, think that adds more. Uh, well, it's entirely up to you if you pick a tag team or not. I, so it's it's up to you how you do it. But I I don't. Am I being too harsh? I don't know. You want you want tag teams in there, don't you? I'm thinking we're allowed. We have a certain number because otherwise you just pick tag teams to fill your roster. I I I'm airing toward the side of we say we can have two tag teams. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to chat about that. Also, we need to work out how we decide who goes first. There's got to be some sort of way. Or if anyone has any ideas, please let us know because we are, we're stumped at the moment. Do you know what? I think it's easy. I think uh, a beat the clock challenge. And that's right. all we need to decide okay. who goes first. Okay. Well, I, I will come up with some kind of beat the clock challenge we can do live on next week's podcast. And that will decide who goes first. Okay, excellent. Excellent. So look, uh, we want you involved in this. Charlie and I will be doing it where if he picks one of my draft picks, I have to go somewhere else. But for you folks, wherever you're listening, you can do it however you'd like. Just give us your 10, eight wrestlers, two wild cards that are a non-wrestling capacity. If you were starting a promotion, who would be on your roster? Uh, earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com, at Charlie underscore Beckett, at Jack underscore Murley. Do not go anywhere. Quick break when we're back. The final part of the show, something's earning the push and something is going back to developmental.
and we are back on the show. Charlie, I'm excited. I'm excited about this draft. I really am. I can tell you are. You've been a bit giddy all um, all episode and yesterday as well when we spoke about over the weekend and we had the idea for the draft. You got very, very excited. You can't sit still right now. You're so excited. Look at you. Can I tell you the truth is that yesterday I was doing um, a show, uh, we were recording early in part because I'm doing a lot of afternoon shows at the moment and we were having a big important discussion uh, on COVID rates in Cornwall and obviously I was paying full attention to that but we played a song and I looked at my phone in the song and you'd sent me a voice note saying, do we want to make the draft so if this happens and this happens... And I just laughed in the studio and my producer, what, what are you laughing about? And I couldn't say, oh, just something wrestling related. I was like, oh, just something on Twitter I've seen that's caught my eye. That, that's how geeky we are getting with this. Um, let's do back to uh, developmental and earning the push. Uh, what is earning the push for you this week, Charlie? Uh, earning the push for me this week is Snowdonia. I have been very fortunate. I was on holiday in Wales the last few days and myself and my better half climbed Snowdon and I've been going on holiday to Wales my whole life. And I've, I've went up Snowdon when I was a kid. I can't remember it. And I was stood at the top of this mountain with unbelievable views. And I was like, this place is absolutely stunning. Like, I was looking going, this is unbelievable. And now, all I've been doing since is just Googling walks and mountain biking and stuff to do in Snowdonia. And there's loads Mountain biking? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not on uh, Snowdonia? Not on Snowdon, but no. mountain biking places round Snowdon. Right. Not, not up Snowdon. Sorry, that would be a bit much. That would be the last show we ever did. Yes, that would. Is there a match there somewhere? Mountain bike on Snowdon match? WCW would have booked that in the 90s. <laughs> Russo's thought of it, yeah. yeah. He's, he's going, there's money in that. Um, no, so, yeah, I've been going my whole life and never really fully appreciated what a stunning place it is till this week. And, it's, and we were so lucky with weather we had at the top. And, yeah. I will be, when I, I go most summers to Wales, I'll be going again this summer at some point, I think. Um, and I will be exploring more of Snowdonia. Brilliant place. That's, that's what's earned the push for me this week. Yeah, I don't blame you. There's, there's not really, in the grand scheme of things, that much between us in years physically. Mentally, we're worlds apart because while you're looking at BMXing in Snowdonia, earning the push for me, gardening. Nice ah, bit of okay. gardening. Is um, this about your balcony? Yes. So I am moving house at the moment, but I'm currently in a flat and we've got a little balcony. And in lockdown, I started growing some stuff and I've grown my first tomatoes and oh. there is nothing like it. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Standing Hold your ovation for Jack Murley. There's nothing like seeing them and going, they look like a tomato. And then they go proper red and they just they come off in your hand and you eat them and you think, yeah, bloody hell, I've grown how, a tomato. How, how big are we talking? Are you at cherries? Are you at salad? Where are we at? They are the size of a 20 pence piece, if not okay. smaller. They okay, are, so they are the tiniest tomatoes. tomatoes you've ever seen. I've grown strawberries as well, but they are minute. They are the size of my thumbnail. But right. the pleasure of growing something. And I used to think I'm not going to be that guy. And we're moving house and I'm thinking I could have a shed in that garden. Quite good oh, to have a shed to just pot go. around in. I want go. a shed. Yes, oh, I can't wait. This is brilliant. This is brilliant news. What I might do is make the shed my little um recording palace and, and make it little like half podcast, half potting up various plants. So that is earning the push for me. Gardening, very therapeutic. If you're having a bad day, go to the garden centre, get some pots, put some seeds in, will make you feel better. Back to developmental for me, the phrase, I'm sorry if you feel that way. I'm sorry if you feel that way. It is neither an apology nor true because you are not sorry if someone feels that way. It is meaningless. It just makes things worse. Anyone who says, I'm sorry if you feel that way to me, just red rag to a bull. Yes, like, oh, I've never thought of it. Like, I've done something that's upset you and I'm sorry that you're upset. 
No, yeah. he's sorry for upsetting me. Yeah, I've run over your foot with my four by four. You screamed in pain. I'm sorry if you feel that way. No, you've done it. You're either you don't care and that's fine and just be the heel or you're <laughs> actually sorry, but don't fudge it with, well, this is, yeah. Nothing to do with my personal life, by the way. We've got just past in general. That. Just in general, when you hear people say, well, I'm sorry if you feel that way. No, cut it out. Fair enough. I think that's very, very good. What's yours? Mine is my inability to be able to see out a game of squash. Oh, not more squash. Because we've been twice now and we've played 12 games of squash and I am 12 nil down. Now that would make you think that I'm getting absolutely battered, but I am throwing away 10-4, 10-5, 10-6 leads and you only have to get to 11 to win like, it, like they're nothing. I'm just stuck in the way. The other week, I raced to a 6 nil lead, lost 11-6. I was 10-4 up the other day, lost 12-10. I cannot for the life of me see out a game of squash. I'm 12-0 down. And then the thing that really annoys me is, if I'm not doing well on the rugby pitch, which happens quite often, I know what to fall back on to fix it. I know what to go back to. I don't know in squash. I do not know what to do. So I just lose my head and I end up just missing the ball. I will try and hit it too hard. It'll go, oh. All I want in life is just not to be nilled in squash yeah. i would like to win a game at the moment i cannot do it can i throw something into the mix is this happening every single time we've been twice and i've lost six nil twice do you think it's possible your better half is just toying with you and knows full well she can let you get to that stage and get it back quite comfortably i really really like to think not but now you put it that way Maybe she is, and maybe she's just a true heel. Maybe she's the MJF of the squash world, just toying with me. I just think it would be like if you were on a rugby pitch with me, you might let me get to within a metre of the try line, but you knew full well that I would not be getting and, uh, beyond it. The more I think about it, the more right you are, well, because we leave the squash court after an hour, and she's looking absolutely fine. I'm just dripping sweat. Like my it is a sweat box, isn't it? My T-shirt's changed colour. I've lost about 12 stone in water weight. I'm dehydrated. And she's booting off, having won 6 nil, looking like she hasn't raised a finger. Yeah, maybe maybe she is just telling me, Jack. Maybe you're right. I've got an image of you like that um, Ric Flair, Triple H, Kurt Angle promo. Where, do you remember that, where the aircon was off in the building? And, yeah, and Ric were, Flair yeah. almost drowned in his own sweat. Yes, that's me. That's me coming off the squash court. Well, I sort of hope for the sake of your mental well-being that next week you have won a game of squash. If not, take up gardening. I can recommend it. It's going to do yeah. all the world of good. Can you lose in gardening? Is there a way to lose? Not really. Good. That seems like but, my kind of game then. But the flip side is, is anyone who gardens for pleasure really a winner in the grand scheme <laughs> of life? You know, it's, it's sort of like a low level anyway. Um, look, on that note, we're going to wrap this up because it's been a belter episode. Uh, Charlie, before we go very quickly, will WWE have the gall to, to roll out another Hell in a Cell match before we meet next time? No, 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 they can't. Are you certain? Are you yes, certain? No more Hell in a Cell for a year. No, thank you. Give it a couple of years at least. Right, we are out of time. Remember, Fantasy Draft next week. Eight wrestlers, two wild cards at Jack underscore Murley, at Charlie underscore Beckett, earning the push podcast. It is going to be fun. But until next week, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get the podcast from. And thank you for supporting Earning the Push. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.